0: As I was reading through the passages for this week for our readings there was this this theme of not only the the transformed presence of God as you know Transfiguration Sunday the idea that the human Jesus suddenly became the divine visible clothes as white as lightning Christ right and when I was reading through it what what stuck out to me also was this theme of of veiling faces. This theme of like, okay, we gotta kind of like control this. Peter wanted to build a couple shelters, build a couple houses. Be like, okay, I don't, I don't know what's going on, but I feel like we need to build something. So let, let's let's do something. And Peter didn't really know what he was saying, but that's that's who Peter was. He likes speaking and doing first and thinking later. And so when i started really kind of like pondering like what is it that this idea of veiling at yourself is teaching to us you know you you look at what moses was doing moses had gone up he'd sat in the presence of god he'd received the commandments that were meant for the people of god and then he comes down and he didn't realize his skin was glowing And so everyone's a little afraid. They're thinking, I don't know, maybe he's radioactive. Maybe, I don't know what's going on, but he's glowing, and that's weird. I'm going to run away now. This is different. This is not what I'm used to. Moses didn't used to glow. Now he's glowing. I, what are we, what are, I don't know. So the people and Aaron, they were afraid, and they, they ran away. They were afraid to come even near him. Maybe it's contagious. I don't know. But I realized that this this idea, we we often veil ourselves because that was Moses' solution, right? If people are afraid of my glowing skin, I don't want to stop being in the presence of God. So if I put a veil on, maybe people will stop freaking out. And so he did. And he, he wore the veil and he talked to Aaron and the Israelites and they stopped being afraid of him because they didn't have to look directly at it. They didn't have to look at the evidence that Moses spoke the words of God because he had been in the presence of God. If I got up to preach this morning and I literally glowed because I'd spoken face-to-face with God this morning, you would be understandably afraid too. <laughs> right? Right? It's not what we expect. We expect Pastor Kevin to stand up there in his comfy shoes, and he's got a microphone, and he talks about what he's learned and what he feels like God has said to him, but there's not much glowing going on. I don't have the reflected presence of God literally shining out of my face and blinding you. That would be scary. And it got me thinking, like, what is it that made the Israelites afraid of Moses? See, because cognitively, like, their brains knew Moses is going to go. Moses is going to be in the presence of God. Moses is going to get the words and the commands, and then Moses is going to come back, and he's going to tell us what God said. That was the plan. And Moses followed the plan. He went, he went on the mountain, he listened to God, he spoke with God, he got the laws, he brought the laws back, and he was going to start reading it, and everyone starts freaking out. Because he glowed. And I think they were afraid because it's, it's hard to minimize when you hear the word of God if it's accompanied by the visible presence of God. It's a scary thing when you have evidence in front of your face that this is not Moses talking. This is God talking. And now you're faced with the decision Do I obey God, which is hard, or do I disobey God, which is terrifying? There's not a whole lot of middle ground anymore when the guy who's giving you the words of God is glowing because he just spoke to the man face to face. So I, I have a hard time blaming the Israelites, right? And then we, we fast forward and we see that in, in the New Testament, when they talk about it in Corinthians. When Paul's writing his letter to the church in Corinth, he's like, look, don't be like Moses was. Moses kind of capitulated a little bit. Moses is like, okay, fine. The, the presence of God is freaking you out. I'll put a veil on and then we can talk. I'm still speaking for God, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dress it up a bit for you so that it's a little less scary maybe a little easier for you to digest and then we're we're going to go from there and Paul criticized Moses for that. He didn't criticize the Israelites for not being able to deal with it or he didn't criticize the Israelites for being afraid because that's maybe natural when you come face to face with your creator to be a little afraid. But he criticized Moses for hiding it. And so maybe when we find ourselves in the position where we feel like we know we've spoken and heard from God, maybe we should stop veiling it. Maybe we should stop pretending like, well, I don't know, maybe it was just me. I mean, I know I was praying, and I know I asked God to speak with me, and I know God... His, I asked him to tell me what to do. I asked him to show me what the right thing to do was. That was the plan. I followed the plan, and then God spoke. But now I'm afraid, and now I need a veil because I feel like I heard something, and that's scary. Because see, it's easy to come to church. Okay, depending on how late you like to sleep, maybe it's not so easy to come to church. But coming to church is easier than acknowledging the Holy Spirit is in this place. We expect to hear him talk to us, and then our part of the bargain is we go and do what he says. That's much harder than singing songs and reading scripture. Because now all of a sudden... There's the glowiness involved. There's, there's that hard to deny in your face evidence that this is God. And now, what do we do with that? Because if you read the Bible, you know, there are some great stories in there. And one of my friends loves to quote a guy who loves to quote the idea that Noah is not a children's story, <laughs> right? Like, let's let's take a step back and let's get rid of all the cutesy little dolls on the ark that's all nice and boat-shaped. And let's remember that this is a story about a dude building an ark to save a few animals because the entire world was about to die. The story of Noah should scare you a little bit. There's a reason the story ends with, but don't worry, every time it rains and you see the rainbow, that's a promise. It's not going to happen again, so please don't have nightmares. But when we tell the story of Noah, it's all about, yay, we've got the animals and we've got Noah and we send out the dove. But what was floating in the water? (laughs) What, What had happened to the entire human culture that wasn't on the boat? It's not really a kid's story. Because when we, we come face to face with God and we actually talk about God and we actually believe that God means what he says, we should be afraid just a little bit if you take it seriously, which is why Moses needed a veil. But then we, we fast forward and the other thing that Paul was talking about, not only you know criticizing Moses a little bit for veiling the truth and making it a little easier to swallow, but He said, because we have such a hope, the hope that comes through Christ, this hope of redemption, this hope of everything is broken, but it's okay. It's not going to stay that way. God is going to fix all that is broken in the world someday, and you get to be a part of fixing it. That is the gospel. Hurricanes, fires, and floods are evidence of a broken world and a broken creation that is not as it should be. Suffering is not part of God's plan. Anyone who tells you otherwise, I would love to angrily debate theology with them. I have a great amount of patience for a great many things, but if anyone looks you in the eye and says, your suffering is part of God's plan, suck it up. I want to smack them. Because the gospel is not a message of man up, your suffering is good. It's a message of, yes, this is broken. Yes, this is terrible. No, this is not the plan. But redemption is the plan. Redemption is coming. And that includes redemption from pain, redemption from suffering, redemption from the wrong things we've done, and redemption from the wrong things that have been done to us. They will be made right but they're not made right yet and so our job in the meantime is to get to know the god who is lord over all and is in the business of making wrong things right again and in the meantime we get really busy helping and so since we have that hope we act with great boldness not like moses who put the veil over his face to keep the people of Israel from gazing at the end of the glory. That's how Paul puts it. Moses had the veil to keep the people from Israel from gazing at the end of the glory. That's what Paul's criticizing. Why would you prevent people from looking at the glory of God? Because the glory is redemption. The glory is the answer to the problem of evil. The problem of evil does not have a nice package. When somebody comes to you and says, if God is good, then why do bad things happen? The answer is not because, well, and then get into some sort of complicated theology. The answer is the world is broken. He's fixing it. We're just not done yet. And I think maybe the most obvious interpretation of this whole idea of veil is that we just need to be honest. And you talk about scary things. Being honest is scary. Right? Somebody walks up to you on Sunday morning and they say, Oh, man, Cindy, it's great to see you. How you doing today? And you lie. Because the real answer would take about 20 minutes and church starts in five. Right? We have all these nice little social rules where the the white lies are okay and somebody asks how you're doing and you're supposed to say fine or tired or busy. You know, they're like these nice, safe, neutral, vanilla-flavored answers we're allowed to give. You know, Maybe I took some of you off off balance last week because some of you came up and asked me, hey, Pastor Kevin, how you doing this morning? My back's killing me. I feel like somebody's stabbing me on a regular basis. Thanks for asking. But that was the truth. Right? I did. Like, I was afraid to sneeze because it literally felt like somebody just slipped a knife up the back of my spine. That was the truth. That was honesty. That was me trying to, like, okay, let's let's get beyond the hi, I'm great. Thanks. Happy you asked. No, I'm in pain right now. (laughs) This is a grimace, not a smile. You know, like and whether it's an emotional thing that you've got going on or whether it's a broken relationship that is just spinning your head backwards. I would like to think that church is the one place you're allowed not to give the vanilla answer. How are you doing today? Awful. How much time you got? Not much. Well, can you pray anyway? Awesome. Sorry it's awful. Hopefully next week it's a little less awful. The world is broken. But God is in the business of redemption. And we are in the business of helping him. This is the gospel. So scripture says we have renounced the shameful things that people hide. We refuse to practice cunning or to falsify God's word, but by the open statement of the truth. That is how we commend ourselves to the conscience of everyone in the sight of God. We commend ourselves to everyone in the sight of God by open statement of the truth. So how are you doing today? Could you use a little redemption? Can I help? Can we be honest? Can we drop the veil for just one second? It's a scary world out there. You can put it up when you leave if you need to. But for here, for right now, can we build a church where the veil isn't necessary? What would that even look like? Because I talk to people more now. I spend eight hours a day at Lazy Boy World Headquarters. Thank you for choosing Lazy Boy Comfort Care. This is Kevin. How may I help you? And I talk to people who every once in a while I get a a message, and they're like, hey, I have a non-work related question. Can I talk to you when your shift's over? Sure. And then i got to ride home from somebody who just says, hey, look, i got to talk. And you're a pastor, so I can ask you, right? Yeah, of course you can. I think people are hungry for an opportunity, to be honest. And I think historically, a church has not really been a safe place to do that. Let's make it a safe place, to be honest. And let's drop the veils. Let's pray. Father, I repent of the times that I'm sure I've made other people feel like they need to put up a good front. I'm sure it's happened. I hope it never happens again. So Father, in your Holy Spirit, I pray that not only would you be working for our redemption and the redemption of every person on the planet, but I pray that you would help us to be honest and that you would help us to be about the business of helping to redeem the world itself. Amen. Amen.